Sarah Westwood on the lines with us to uh, give us her insights on the news of the day from the Washington Examiner. Examiner Sarah, good uh, good morning. Good to have you with us. Good morning. Thanks for having me. So what do you think? Should we fly the Trump balloon uh, over uh, over Beijing? <laughs> I don't know how well that would go, but certainly <laughs> get a reaction. <laughs> I don't think they'd let it get all the way to Beijing before they shot it down. I don't think that uh, if the Russians were flying some spy balloon over Ukraine, it'd make it all the way to Kiev before they shot it down using U.S. military uh, technology. <laughs> yeah, I think that would be a gamble. <laughs> What's your take? Uh, obviously, the uh, the other big news of the week will be the president's uh, State of the Union address tomorrow night. Uh, uh, you know, they're already kind of laying the groundwork uh, at the Biden White House of of convincing America how great things are going. Uh, you know, wh- wh- who are you going to believe? Your lying bank account, the uh, the number you see at the gas pump, or are you going to believe the president Tuesday night? Right. I mean, I think that's kind of been their approach all along, right? The Biden White House has always approached the economy and inflation as a messaging problem and not as a policy problem. And so they've always just sort of acted like if they could just find the right messaging, the right combination of words, then they would be able to overcome what is really a problem with the Biden administration's economic policy and the amount of government spending that they have approved at a time when the economy was trying to recover on its own from the pandemic and doing a a pretty good job of doing that organically And so I think the State of the Union will be no different, that this will be um, um, one hour of a spin from the Biden administration on, you know, an array of fronts where the Biden administration is actually struggling. One of the the things we're sure to hear a lot about is the, the job numbers that came out Friday uh, where the Biden administration is claiming show the, and they do in fact show the the lowest unemployment rate since I don't know they, they the Nixon years, but they've tweaked the way they report the numbers, the way they calculate the numbers. Some states don't even turn in their numbers, uh, large states, uh, and they don't count people who've been uh, apparently unemployed for more than ninety days. Yeah, if you don't count the unemployed, you can make the unemployment numbers look pretty doggone good. Yeah, that's been a frequent complaint about the way the unemployment numbers are counted. But, I mean, the, the tight labor market has drawbacks. You know, I mean, if, if there are fears that that tight labor market can continue to drive inflation because in order to attract workers, in, in especially in service industry jobs, companies are going to have to raise their wages and those costs will get passed on to the customers. So there are fears that that will continue to fuel inflation and, you know, wage growth is not necessarily keeping up with inflation in a lot of industries. So the, the, the unemployment numbers are objectively good news for the Biden administration. But that doesn't translate to good news for a lot of Americans who are still feeling economic pain. And I think Biden continues to sound out of touch when he sort of cherry picks that number, which is a good number, but ignores the, the real pain um, that a lot of Americans are still feeling when they're trying to pay their bills. You know, two weeks ago, they were touting the fact that gas prices had had uh, tipped uh, just below the three dollar figure for the first time uh, in a long time, but still about a buck twenty higher than when he took office. Just the last week, they've spiked back up about fifty cents a, a gallon at the pump, higher in some some places like California. How can they continue to expect to get Americans to feel better about an economy when they feel the pain? at the grocery store, at the gas pump. They go to the grocery store and, and we see empty shelves. Not not quite as bad as it, it was a few months ago, but still the supply chain issues where you know some of our grocery store shelves look like the, the old Russian grocery stores in the 70s. 
How, how can they convince people that they're wrong about how they're feeling about the economy? Well, I think this is an area where the White House might be taking the wrong lessons from the midterms and assume that because Republicans did not perform as well as expected, that means their economic messaging from the midterm election was successful and they don't need to change anything about the, the way they talk about money and personal finances for Americans because they haven't really changed up their approach. They continue to paint uh, an, a rosy picture that's not really justified by the lived experience of most people. And they think because, you know, because of their midterm showing, they don't have to change that. I think that that could really cost them heading into 2024, though, because Joe Biden's performance will be on the ballot this time when it wasn't in November. And the reality is that people are still struggling in a lot of ways. Yeah, you mentioned uh, the the difference in job loss uh, and job gains uh, among you know, the, the service industry where we're raising the prices for somebody working at a fast food restaurant, for example, uh, we're increasingly seeing these kiosks at grocery stores. So we're we're not seeing as many people because they are having a hard time hiring people. But while we're seeing the, the wages have to spike up for some of those uh, lower end service jobs, we're also getting reports that big corporations are, are laying off five, 6,000 people, hospitals, uh, major hospital chains putting on uh, freezing or or laying people off, so we're losing high paying white collar jobs while we're seeing wages go up at the at the lower end. I haven't completely dived into the numbers, but but that's going to be like a a, a a a a whipsaw effect on the economy where you're having more white collar folks either losing their jobs or or getting downsized and then having to pay more for a burger at McDonald's. Right. I mean, that was sort of the problem with inflation you know, last year when it was at its peak was that people's wages, uh, especially in, you know, some of those industries that you mentioned, weren't going up, but inflation was. And all of the stimulus checks that the Biden administration has used to keep people from feeling that pain and arguably making the inflation worse finally stopped and people experienced that. I mean, the good news so far is that some of those layoffs seem to be confined to certain Industries, You know, the tech industry, for example, has suffered. My business, the news media business, yeah. has suffered. That doesn't mean that it's going to spread necessarily to other parts of the economy. So, But, but it certainly could portend some sort of recession, and, and inflation would only worsen that pain. Well, and, and when they start spinning that, uh, well, you know, we've replaced all, you know, we've grown the jobs uh, when what they've really done is replaced the jobs that, that were downside or, or laid off during the pandemic. It's it's like if everybody shows back up for work on Monday uh, and took the weekend off, that doesn't mean you've added jobs. People have just gone back to the job they had. <laughs> right. I mean, the, the, the way that the Biden administration has been able to measure its numbers in the context of the pandemic has been really misleading. I mean, one of my favorite misleading Joe Biden lines is him bragging about having reduced the deficit uh, in 2021 and 2022. Well, of course, the deficit was reduced when he stopped spending at historic, unprecedented, you know, natural disaster levels like the government did during the pandemic. So, sure, the deficit was reduced slightly from the height of pandemic spending. But if you look at pre-pandemic levels, you know, the, the Biden administration is still spending profligately. So the, the, the pandemic provided Biden with a baseline to measure his performance against that 
can make it seem like he's performing a lot better than he is. Yeah, but they have so much credibility on every on every <laughs> issue, Sarah. Hey, you mentioned the uh, 2024 elections real quickly. Uh, the map benefits Republicans a little bit more in 2024, particularly in the Senate races, than it did in the last cycle. But you still have to deal with the potential of of uh, vote gathering and, and fraud and the quality of candidates. Are, are Republicans beginning the process of getting better candidates to actually win the races that Democrats have to defend in 2024, particularly in the Senate and in governor's races? I do think that Republicans are gearing up to be a lot more selective about Republican candidates and potentially get involved in Republican primaries in a way that they didn't in 2022, potentially to their detriment. Um, and as far as you mentioned, vote vote gathering, um, ballot harvesting is something that I think Republicans are giving a second look and saying, well, this is legal. These are the rules of the game. And so maybe we should learn to play by them as well as Democrats have. In California, you've seen the state Republican Party learn how to ballot harvest because it's legal in California. And you saw Republicans performed strongly. It was a rare bright spot in the Orange County um, media market. Those congressional seats, Republicans held on while a lot of others did not. So I think that there's room there for Republicans to improve their performance if they can learn how to ballot harvest. And we, we saw that in Florida as well, in, in two places where Republicans did have more aggressive plans of, okay, we're, you know, it's the rules of the game. We might not like it. We think it's a stupid way to do things. Mm-hmm. But, but uh, okay, if it's in the rules, we're going to play by the rules too. And if we do that, you know, we can combat what the Democrats are doing. The challenge is that, like we saw in Arizona with Republicans tending to turn out on Election Day, you know, they can do all sorts of shenanigans on Election Day that can cause problems. We've got to play both getting our votes out, getting the votes gathered, and uh, getting the candidates that uh, that can win. And, and if we do that, uh, it can work pretty well. Sarah, I use the example. I played basketball in college, and there were a lot of coaches that when the three-point line came in didn't really like it. They were slow to adapt to it. Those that adapted it and embraced it, even if they didn't really like it, they did pretty well. You know, we need to start to learn three-point shots as Republicans and ballot to harvest the heck out of these things and, and start firing some three-point shots. Yeah, I think the, the word ballot harvesting can scare off a lot of Republicans, but really what it means is just going out into communities where you know you have a lot of support and votes and getting those ballots to the ballot box. So in California, for example, they were putting ballot drop boxes at gun ranges where, you know, presumably Republicans would go and and practice shooting their guns. They put ballot drop boxes where they knew their votes were. And, you know, it's not really as scary as it might look or sound on paper. Republicans can figure out where their votes are concentrated and then help those ballots find their way to a ballot drop box or a poll place. I think they have some some real shots to make up some ground that Democrats have been dominating over the past couple of cycles. Yeah, gun shows targeting uh, rural uh, conservative suburban communities, uh, and, uh, and churches, 17 million Christian evangelicals uh, typically don't vote in presidential elections. They stay home. Uh, you, know, there's, you, know, you can't go, well, supposedly you can't go uh, campaign at churches. We see a lot of that in the black community. But you can certainly, in a nonpartisan way, collect ballots. And if we just collect ballots at the churches, even if we're not telling people how to vote, we'll do pretty doggone well. Right. That's the whole idea behind, you know, the way Democrats have done it. And in the South, you know, it's a tradition, especially in the African-American community and churches, they have this this drive that they call souls to the polls, where they encourage their parishioners to, to get out and vote. And that has been a really effective way 
to to build democratic support in the South. I mean, look at what's happening in Georgia. So there's no reason why Republicans should not study that playbook and replicate it. It's it's the law of the land in a lot of states, and it's not going to change anytime soon. So this is something that I think Republicans have to get serious about learning the ropes and, and deploying these same strategies to yeah, their we're, own we're, advantage. We're just a few mega churches ballot gathering uh, from victory in most of these <laughs> races. So, uh, Sarah, thanks for being with us. Keep up the great work. Uh, Sarah Westwood at the uh, Washington Examiner, one of, one of my favorite go-to media sites. And uh, we'll catch up with you again soon, Sarah. Thank you. Thank you.